Hello, and welcome to the Anime Explorations Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Tora. I'm David. All right. And so, since we are, this is our last episode, the anime season has wrapped up. So, um, I watched a moderate amount of stuff this season. It's pretty good stuff. Um, so I watched Furin Journey's End, which is, and yes. Apothecary Diaries, which are, both of which are still going into next season, which is great. Um, also, we had the uh, sequel series to Initial D this year, MF Ghost, which is which is actual track racing. Well, no, it's street tracks, but it's actual lap racing as opposed to just drifting, but still just as much Eurobeat. <laughs> I mean, when something works, why change it? That's fair. Uh, do you watch anything interesting over the past month? Uh, We've been watching Haikyuu! Yes. <laughs> we just finished the second season. It's absolutely not new. And it is very infuriating because it's one of those actual volleyball would be faster than this. <laughs> uh, we watched that. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, of course. Not sure if it counts, but shout out to Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix. Yeah. I, it probably counts some. I also started watching um, Uku, The Inner Chambers last night. Interesting. Kind of reminds me of Why the Last Man in some ways. Um, but yeah, I'll let you know when I finish it. <laughs> Alright, that is on my two that is on my two watch list, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah, yeah uh, I have not had as much time to watch with uh, all of the holiday shenanigans going on. But, yeah. Uh, I know there's more that we watched. David, you watched a bunch of isekai. Oh, that's true. Just so much. <laughs> yeah. Shield Hero, you watched. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I assume we were talking about since, like, last month. Because mm. it's only been, like, a few new episodes of that since. <laughs> uh, of course, we've been keeping up with Jujutsu Kaisen and, you know, our weekly dose of trauma. Uh. <sighs> yep. <laughs> so, um... So much trauma. One of the slight advantages to having such a quick turnaround between when these episodes are recorded and when they go live is occasionally we get to talk about topical news. So, um, Macross 2 Kickstarter is currently live. I saw that, and my initial reaction was, I still have my VHS. Is this the uh, Palladium Books VHS, or, um, because Palladium Books, as in the people who did riffs, did the VHS for release of that for a, for a time? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I genuinely don't know, because I don't, like, I didn't, like, go and look at it. You have to dig it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. So it is as of this recording, it's fifteen days left to go. Uh had a goal of seventy-five thousand dollars and has raised two hundred fifty-five thousand dollars and change. So it has in fact it meet its met its goal on the first day. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, yeah, this is, this is one of the uh, Animigo uh, Kickstarters, so lots of good good features on here. They've confirmed they've got the dub. 
Um, got uh, two audio commentaries on there. Um, production staff commentary and voice actor commentary. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. Art book add-in. Yeah. So, to be clear, it has nothing to do with Palladium books, right? That is correct. It does nothing. Like, this is this is strictly Animigo on this. Good. They have um, my undying entity. <laughs> yeah. After, yeah, this, after uh, RPG tactics uh, and betrayal therein. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is strictly Animigo. Uh, this is this is just them, and like they have done right by all of their Kickstarters that they've done so far, all of which I've backed. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm on board for this. Um, so I will, and again, by the time this goes live, there will be about like fourteen, like two weeks left. So I'll I'll stick a link in the show notes for that. Um, and with that, let's start. So let's start out with the anime music video discussion. So quick summary for why we're talking, bring this up is this is the last episode of the year. And we've had a lot of people in the anime industry and adjacent to it pass away this past year. Um, and one of the people who passed away was, um, John, uh, we developed the exact name of the person who did, um, uh, Jim Kapostas, uh, uh, um, Greek last name, I'm of difficulty with those, uh, who basically, who created a anime, the first anime music videos, a fan-created music video, um, splicing together scenes from Star Blazers to the song All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. Um, and for those who follow the blog, I put together a playlist of, like, what I would consider early or influence various influential vi- music, anime music videos over time and um, some notes on what I, why I picked them. Um, so do you have a chance to watch the playlist I put together or, or flip through it? Oh yeah. I loved it. it. It was a trip, you know, because some of these things I had not thought about since high school or early college years. Um, and it was very nostalgic for me. <laughs> and then some of them I hadn't seen, and I was like, oh, that's where that trend came from. <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah. And it's it's trippy for me to have, um, how do I want to put this? To have fandom be curated like this and kind of looked back on in a, not exactly scholarly, but a kind of a historical sort of sense, like retrospective. Yeah, in a retrospective, like th- this is how the fandom evolved. Um, and having been a part of that fandom, I just find it incredibly, incredibly trippy. Makes me feel a little bit old, but uh, <laughs> seasoned. But also, it's it's so cool to have come from a place of searching for anime in tiny like video rental stores here in Portland and finding nobody who knew about it or was interested in it and wanted to talk about it outside of one or two really good friends to the modern day where like everybody is at least aware of it even if they are not you know active fans of it and have the art form really go global yeah like to the point where <clears throat> You have NFL players who will do a touch, who will do as their touchdown separation uh, celebration, do the fusion dance. Yeah, yeah. 
So good. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like a, a few of these I wanted to single out. Um, I'd forgot, I'd almost, but not quite forgotten, um, the video for Matthew Sweet's girlfriend. Um, in terms of like, like I had seen like, music videos from around this time incorporate some anime stuff. Like for example, there's the uh, music video for Michael and Janet Jackson's Scream, where they like put a whole bunch of music of incorporate a bunch of clips from anime of people screaming. Not yeah. hard to find. Um, in there. Um, and so, but this was like. Like this, like, although this is like basically incorporating Matthew Sweet, the like the vocalist in the song into the footage in an interesting way, as opposed to some of the other, uh, his, his other video that he'd done um, for the song I'll Be Waiting, which has Lum from Yurisa Yatsura in it, but doesn't in quite incorporate him, in, him or his band in the uh, song in quite the same way. Is it interesting for you too, as a video creator, because it's interesting for me as an artist to look at how people like us were kind of motivated to do these things out of fandom or just for fun. And then over time we just like picked up all of these video editing and artistic skills and it became just so like, I don't want to say competitive, although in some areas of the internet, obviously it is competitive, but uh, like the quality of the work just went up so high to the point where like, I, I think I had some friends in art school who were using AMVs on their like professional reels, like resumes, like <laughs> yeah, I mean, AMV competitions are absolutely, absolutely a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I, I definitely get that. It's like, um, I was considering adding it as like a one last final thing after KimuraCon this year, but there was like a video on that one best in show at KimuraCon a video title was don't stop the rock or can't stop the rock. Um, and the video is effectively like truly its own thing. Like it is incorporating elements from various anime series and movies like, um, girl who left through time and Nietzsche Joe and various other things, but it is, combining them and looping footage in such a way that it is effectively uniquely its own work of art. Um, though I, but I, I was certainly aware of like the professional link between anime music video creation and other fields before this, one of the videos, another video I considered using, but did not use, um, was a video of, uh, somebody doing, um, using one of the different mixes of junior reactors, pistolero to footage from cowboy bebop. And the person who had done this particular video commented, oh, I worked on editing one of the trailers for Robert Rodriguez, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and that's how I heard the song. That's how I became aware of that song. That's a good song, though. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. And like, and like this particular mix, because he'd gotten, like, given the album, like, here's the album with, like, three or four different remixes on it, like, the single version, as opposed to, like, the full album. And like, okay, and heard this mix, like, okay, this isn't the mix we're using for the trailer, but this is a good mix. I can make an AMV to it. And so yes. that's, so like the nice, interesting touch there. And of course, I had to make sure to include a Linkin Park video in there because like uh, Mike Shinoda, again, has mentioned in interviews that, yeah, when we were getting big, like when our Meteora came out and that sort of thing, um, like or the first couple albums that, 
they that this was around the time that AMVs were starting to become more widespread over the internet. And so lots of people started doing AMVs using their songs. I mean, to, to the best of my knowledge, they're still the only uh, band that has a tie-in Gundam for one of their albums. You guys can't see me, but I'm just nodding my head like a like a crazy parrot right now. Uh, Linkin <laughs> Park, uh, my favorite band for most of my life. Um, rest in peace, Chester, forever. Uh, like in high school, I can't overstate how much I was into Lincoln Park, and I, you know, I read all these interviews that Mike Shinoda did, and he talked about his design background and how he was coming up with the graphics for their albums, and I was like on fire with that. I was so excited. Um, I found a lot of AMVs just because, like, I was watching their songs on YouTube, looking up music videos and stuff. Like, <laughs> so I mean. Well, if it was high school, it's before you You know what? I refuse to be cringe about this. I am a fan. <laughs> uh, their songs go with a lot of anime, though. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Sheer I, number I mean, of Linkin Park Evangelion anime videos. I mean, I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I did think really hard, like, do I want to do one of the Linkin Park Evangelion videos? Like, like go through and find a particularly good one. Um, there's just so there's many. many. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like yeah. And then I thought, well, because of how wide, like the number of series it works with, maybe do a compilation video uh, in terms of, like one where it's got like using clips from multiple shows, which is what I did use. Um, and would I think the only main reason why I did like New Divide as opposed to like. There's an instrumental one that got used a fair track that got used a fair amount as well is because I mean we tragically lost Chester Bennington a couple of years ago and so I wanted to focus so focus on his his vocals as opposed to an instrumental version. Um, the other the other thing I found particularly interesting in terms of for, for picking stuff on here is like when Adobe After Effects like started becoming more spread as part of the uh, Adobe Creative Suite mm -hmm. um, is one of the things that it did is people started like really got more advanced and people learning the ropes with it is both more interesting, like complicated videos in terms of combining series together in interesting ways, which is what happened with the, why I picked the ship happens video. And then also using like manga music videos, um, which was also like, like I had seen a couple music videos done using like comics, but those were like just like Ken Burns affecting through scanned or photographed comic pa uh, pages. Um, but this incorporates the work a little better um, and does more and allows for transitioning between panels and characters in more interesting ways. Like so I. I what I was, was torn between doing the one I did, which was Clover. Yeah, the Clover one. Man, if there was ever a manga that was begging for that treatment. <laughs> that was um, beautiful. Yeah, and there was another one that was done for um, uh, Promised Neverland, which I thought was which I thought was like my second pick, but I decided to stick with the Clover one first. Because it was, it was a little earlier, so I felt it would um, kind of show the transition in time a little better. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 
And with that, um, well, the the other high profile anime creator who passed away this year. Well, there's a couple of major ones, but like the other moderate one who passed like passed away was the creator of Space Adventure Cobra, who we actually kind of managed to incorporate a little bit with the AMV video thing because Matthew Sweet's girlfriend used footage from the Space Adventure Cobra movie. But the other, and we'll, we will talk about Space Adventure Cobra properly at some point in the future. Uh, but the other major title, uh, oh, the creator who passed away is Liji Masumoto, who, and he's done lots of really big stuff. He's done Star Blazers, or Space Battleship Yamato, rather. He's done uh, Galaxy Express 39. He's done um, all sorts of stuff. But we decided, I decided to pick, because uh, his most enduring character is Captain Harlock. And so I decided to pick um, for this month, Arcadia of My Youth, which is the um, sort of Captain Harlock origin movie that came out in 1982. Uh, had either of you seen this movie before? No. No, I was familiar with Harlock. Never actually managed to see Harlock's show, but I was familiar with him primarily through all of the pastiches and ripoffs of him in other works. Either comedic or... Um, He's got uh, an iconic look, let's, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> it's over there. My favorite one is in Steven Universe. I Liji Masumoto characters have drip, let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this movie, I... Do not think, based purely on this movie, I do not think Harlock is a very heroic character. I think he's kind of... There is... This movie feels like it is just dripping with subtext that I'm not quite getting. So, uh, so to, po to possibly help pick up with some of that subtext, um, talk about Luigi Masumoto. Masumoto was born in 1938, so he was basically like his formative years were the U.S. occupation of Japan. Yeah, and that—that's exactly, exactly. I mean, I didn't know anything about the man, but that's—I mean, Tor can tell you that's kind of what I was sort of picturing as the creator behind this work, because it does feel like someone who, you know. It's, it feels like wish fulfillment after, you know, the Japanese lost the war. Yeah, well, it's, it's awkward to talk about this as a... As an American. As an American, especially. Um, but uh, there, there is quite a bit of, I guess, propagandism almost in the movie. But more, it's more of... It has a heroic Nazi... It's more of this kind of Mary Sue feeling of the protagonist is this noble warrior who lost, presumably through no fault of his own, um, but he, he has his honor and he's going to stick to it no matter what, even when that means making incredibly tactically unsound decisions. <laughs> even when it means going against explicitly what he said he was going to do. Um, I'm on the lead so I can rescue these people, but I'm going to wait around for, you know... To make sure I can't actually rescue anyone. 
And it's like, I don't feel qualified to discuss the concept of honor um, in Japanese culture. But even in just like the sports anime we were just watching, Haikyuu, there's a lot of talk about how, you know, you have your pride and your pride is worthless, but it's all you've got. So you better stick with it. And, you know, it's this, this very, um, the romance of it, of honor and pride, even when the universe is against you. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not behind that message per- personally. Uh, so it was a little bit awkward for me. Also, there's just, you know, if we're talking about honor, we do have to examine the different forms that honor takes, both internal honor of one's adherence to one's own personal beliefs, as well as external honor and the two forms that that can take, both horizontal and vertical. Horizontal honor being the honor you have for being among your own peers, basically being part of a group and your status within that group based on your own actions. And also the vertical honor of against other people of where, you know, how your group is viewed. There's a lot to say about honor, and I could honestly talk about it. A lot of anthropological study to unpack there. Oh, yeah. And but I think it's safe to say that Harlock is a really romanticized character. And um, the, the connections to World War II in this movie are not subtext. They are overt. The movie literally flashes back to his ancestor, who was a World War II fighter pilot. So, uh, for Nazi Germany, it's not they're not being out like, there. You know, no, <laughs> this is not. Oh, I wonder which side he's on. His plane has the swastika on it. It's got the Iron Cross in. <laughs> Here's the weird thing. So I I watched the D, the Blu-ray v- release, mm-hmm. which has an audio commentary by Mike Tool, who um. Longtime anime critic, he also hosts the discotheque media um, panels and that sort of thing. And he breaks down like what Matsumoto stories are kind of combined together to tell this. And so, for one of the Masu- for one of the Ma- the um, Matsumoto manga, the story that's incorporated this from uh, the series, the Cockpit. Um, he um which is the one from the beginning of the story, like the really far flashback involving the uh, Stanley witch, Mm -hmm. Stanley witch. So that's the world war. So in the manga form, that's the world war two story. Um, it's like actually, and they split it into two different chunks and then had one chunk be world war two wartime Europe. The other one in like pre world war one, like just solo flight. Um, which which is interesting because that that was not a pre World War One plane that that guy was flying. Oh, so sorry, not a pre World One, pre World War Two, like interwar period um, flight uh, plane. And what made that interesting? Uh, the decision there is um, the original story is Harlock the First or Harlock the, Harlock the um, Phantom Harlock the Second and Tochiro Yama had st- the premise for that one was them taking a stolen bomber full of refugees and trying to get them over the Owen Stanley mountains to Port Moresby to defect to the allies. I think it's clear that is not the story we got at all. <laughs> no. That, yeah. That, and, and what makes that particularly more... Lies. That would definitely recontextualize the beginning of the film as well. 
when yeah. current Transformers and, and what makes this doubly more like odd, kind of head scratching to an extent, although I can kind of understand why they made this choice because it might go from foreshadowing to giving away the what'll happen later, is what happens with the refugees is the same thing that what happens with the um the, refu- the Togarkin refugees later in the movie. In terms of them sacrificing themselves. Turning themselves out of the plane to make it over the mountains. Yeah. And with and with them and with like the climax of it being, oh, we, we made it! Uh, and Tochiro going uh, back to tell the uh, uh, refugees they made it and then discovering an empty hold. Um... And then being really sad and upset about it afterwards. Um, and like that, they did like if they'd gone with that, while again it would give away what was going to happen later in the movie, it would I think have made like skipped the whole tugging at the collar moment with that second flashback. Uh in terms of the whole Nazi side of things. Well, the first, um, the first flashback where he, it's basically man versus nature, right? That was just, you know, I was just taking that as a very tropey. I mean, this comes up all the time, like one man testing himself against nature and pitting himself against nature and seeing who comes out on top. I was like, okay, so this is kind of standard, right? I mean, it's the the classic literary um, conflicts. Man versus nature, man versus man, man versus society. That sort of thing. No problems there. Very standard. Went on a bit long, I felt. Um, And then when the second flashback came around, I was like, okay, so they're making it explicit now. Like, the, (laughs) the connection to World War II is meant to be read into the movie. Um, because you could pick up on it, you know, immediately, but then they decided to make it text in the film. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I don't, I don't have like this ex- instinctive revulsion, like, oh, they've made a Nazi the hero of the story. Like that's, that, that wasn't really the point. Um, but I, I did think it interesting that. They would make it that they would just be like, yes, this story is about post-war. This is what you're meant to read into it. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that the whole film was not subtle. And uh, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But it does make it kind of hard for me to, to talk about because that that is not a lived experience that I have. I don't feel qualified or or that I have the right, really, to, to talk about that experience. Um, all I can go off of is what I was presented in the film, right? So, And the whole time I was a little bit uncomfortable because, like, the romanticization of Harlock's character and the decisions that he makes, which the film is presenting as heroic, I was, I was not on board with for most of the time. Like... <laughs> Would it surprise you to know that Harlock is big in France? No, actually, I can totally see that. Um, (laughs) 
So my my grandmother was was Belgian. I grew up with a, a lot of French speaking around me. Um, I went to France in high school. I don't consider myself French or Belgian or anything but a normal, an annoying, boring American. But from the exposures I've had to French culture, I can see it. I can. Um, <laughs> uh, it was the um, the Harlock series, like the original 1978 series, which I did not do because it's 52 episodes. Um, is was got released in France under the title of Capitan Albator because Captain Harlock is just a little too close to Captain Haddock from uh, Tintin or Tonton. So, so that so the yeah. So just adjust the name a little bit so it's not doesn't quite become unintentionally comic. Makes sense. You don't want your tragic, romantic space pirate to be comedic, except when they're trying to be. <laughs> the I will say the vibe I got from a Har- I've always kind of had from Harlock and the various iterations of the character is Captain Nemo in space. Oh, yes, very much. I agree with that. Like in vibes, uh, anyway. <laughs> Having not watched the actual show, <laughs> I mean, like, like both, like, because I've I've seen. I've seen the original series. I've seen this movie. This is actually like my second or third time watching the movie. Um, I watched the Harlock Endless Odyssey series from the like 2000s, mm-hmm. and I've watched Harlock's Saga, which is the Harlock versus Norse gods uh, uh, OVA series. That's and, interesting. <laughs> um, loosely, very loosely inspired by the Ring Cycle. Um, and having watched and like having watched like the the Nemo connection like very strong there, but in the sense of like if like you look at how Jules Verne writes Captain Nemo, um, they have a lot in common both in terms of they're from occupied countries, um, India for Nemo, um, and then the Earth for Harlock. Um, they have their crew of basically sort of pirates. Um, I mean, they're explicitly called pirates. So. Yeah, yeah well, well, pirates, but like they're, they're crew of pirates. They tend to be kind of stoic and reserved. Uh, we don't have much music instrument playing in this, but like in Harlock 78, Harlock's got an ocarina. Um, and then Nemo, of course, has his pipe organ. Um, and so forth and so on. Um, so, and both have like really super advanced spaceships or not spaceships, but, but ships, um, uh, Nemo, super advanced submarine, the Nautilus, and then the Arcadia. So like, it's a really interesting mix. And uh, so I think. I do get why Harlock has resonated to a lot of fans and why the, the character became the various works involved in the character became a gateway series for American fans. But I particularly in like the seventies and eighties, but I also do kind of see, as you mentioned in your comments, why even in our musically um, to Masamoto's later years, the character hasn't quite had the same staying power. I think also there are a lot of narratives now that are about 
like sometimes explicitly pirates, but then also like other groups of outlaws, merry men, what have you, outside of society, um, because society doesn't accept them in some way, rejects them, and they band together, and they're a family. And I mean, that's one of my favorite tropes. The found family trope. Um, <laughs> and you know that that is the part that I think a lot of people will kind of latch onto. Um, I think if you grew up with Harlock and you start to understand more of the context that is informing the story choices, there is going to be a part of you that kind of, I guess, backs off of it a little bit. Um, it's a very specific experience um, that the that the author is drawing from that a lot of us are, are not going to have, especially in other countries. France has a big love of underdog narratives um, going all the way back <laughs> to the resistance and um, uh, you know the original, I, monkey. the original monkey. I get why it is so popular there. Um, but I also think that it's almost too specific and that's why it's going to start kind of not resonating as much with people as time goes on. Does that make sense? That it's too specific to that one person's experience. Yeah. I mean, in order to get a larger audience, you do need to have more of a multiple appeal. And So other works have taken what they like about the character, which is normally the costume, and the idea of this... Pirate captain. You know, in kind space. of... Yeah, pirate captain in space. Sometimes stoic, sometimes very not. Um, and they just... You know, they put it onto their own works as homage. And that's kind of what's being propelled forward um, from the series. So I think most people, if you show them a picture of Captain Harlock, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of get that. Or I saw that in X show or Y movie. Um, but all of this very specific um, post-war context, I think is gonna is gonna get left behind, um, except for people who really dig into the source material. Yeah. I think the other thing that I also think helped get a certain degree of resonance for Harlock and or in this case Liji Masumoto as a creator in general. Um the way Liji Masumoto draws science fiction stuff in general is very unique. It's not like there's the sort of concept of quote unquote Z Rust of a throwback to a particular era of science fiction works and that sort of thing. You know, your 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 cigar-shaped rocket ships, um, your big bulbous ray guns, the fishbowl helmets, and that sort of thing. Harlock isn't that. Um, like, but it is deliberately nostalgic in its technology designs. Like Harlock and Toshiro's ray guns, the Cosmo Dragoons, are designed to look like revolvers with a big thing sticking out the back. And then there's his spaceships. The Arcadia has an aft castle with a flag that flutters in space. Yeah. yeah the Arcadia <laughs> The Arcadia has a big old steering wheel. Left to right turn steering wheel. That's called the helm. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, it's a big old left to right turning helm. How does it handle Z movement? Doesn't matter. It looks cool. Um I mean, probably big, forward back. I, I we don't see it. Who knows? Um, 
I mean, the... irrelevant. <laughs> the physicist in me is like, well, you know, you could actually get it fluttering in space. Irrelevant. But, you know, because it, it's hanging off a rod that ships. I mean, using what appear to be rocket engines. No, so that's going to be vibration. Harlock is like Spider-Man Noir. Wherever he goes, the wind follows. <laughs> so his cape can flutter dramatically in the wind. <laughs> Even in shows. <laughs> like there was like right there was a fan comic that somebody did that were kind of related to this for um Fire Emblem where it's like one of the main characters his cape is fluttering dramatically in the wind and he's like why aren't all the rest of your capes fluttering dramatically in the wind? <laughs> <laughs> oh is it is it just me? Is it just me? <laughs> uh like Harlock's got that. Um, and then this is without getting to his er- to his other series. This is like Galaxy Express 3.9 and the later Galaxy Railways with space, space trains. Why not? Um, <laughs> or the uh, fact that well, um, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, we haven't talked about Queen Elmeraldus um, yet, but Elmeraldus' ship, the Queen Elmeraldus, it's a dirigible. An amazing dirigible. It, it's, a space diri- <laughs> it's a space dirigible with a classic style pirate ship as Just the <laughs> yes yep that's the balloons not under it that's like the ship itself is the thing and the direction and then there's a, and the balloon yeah, is i have no idea so great yep it's so stupid but it's so great so it's so stupid <laughs> wanted to call it um, One Piece meets Mobius. You know Mobius, the French yep. comic on it? Yeah. <laughs> yep, I, I, I absolutely see that. That This is like like the way that some of the ship designs in One Piece are kind of not kind of extra. They're, They're just extra. extra. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the Marines are just <laughs> and, Why is there so sequel? Okay, we're getting off now. Yeah, and, and and like all the mechanical designs for spaceships in Liji Masumoto's stuff are equally just extra. I mean, just we mentioned in the previous amazing. podcast that you were watching um um the um Yamato twenty one ninety nine, which okay. while it tw- while it adjusts the plot from the original series, it still sticks with that Liji Masumoto car- a ship design aesthetic, oh, yeah. which means that you have a space U boat. Heck yeah. <laughs> This is the space battleship you Oh, so it was like named after the ship. No, we converted the battleship to fly. Like, no, guys, space. guys, hear me out. Hear me out. These exact things. How did you convert but space? We added big ass <laughs> on the back. Ship go zoom. Ship go zoom. <laughs> now don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I recognize it's stupid, but I still think it's fun. <laughs> I will never not. I will never tell people that their fun is wrong. I will rarely tell people that their fun is wrong. I have done it in the past. Remember when you made me watch Macross for the first time, and yeah. the ship turned into a robot? And I was yeah. like, "That's so stupid!" And you were like, "How dare you!" We got the exact opposite place. It's so stupid, but it's like, why does it do that? Well, you see, because we the teleporters. How is that? Teleported away. They took some connecting, so they had to 
for spikes. This is one of the best things about anime, though, honestly. Which side of the line you come down on between that is so stinking cool and that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's most fun on both sides. Of both the sides at the same time. <laughs> yeah, um, and like, kind of fitting in with this is, is like in of that second flashback where they do the the call, but where they make the big thing of the bomb site or the the, the, the gun site, the the aircraft gun site, yeah. where they come back later, like, oh hey, we still have that original gun site over two thousand years later. I know. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> you have that. You have a replica? <laughs> the, the replica? No, this is the original. <laughs> <laughs> and it works just fine yes. with the space gun with, with the giant space cannons. And it's because everything I don't dislike your design, but I do wonder why you made a World War II compatible. <laughs> that was a specific design choice. Did you? I mean, it is his it's thing, so it's entirely, he built the ship, it's entirely possible, it's like, you know, it would be cool. It'll never happen, but it would be so cool if it could. Everything runs <laughs> on vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, my, 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 I think my second, one of my, the thing that annoyed me about the film the most is the fact that all the women have the exact same body and yeah. haircut. And face. Yeah. Yeah, Harlock, yeah, yeah uh, Liji Masumoto has a type. Um, that like, type is apparently butterflies. <laughs> uh, like, apparently, like there was like this one like movie, like European film, I think it was like a Frank, French and, and West German co-production. Of course, it was French. That made it to um, that made it to um, Japan in like the fifties. That he watched, you know. When when you're when you're a teenager and you go ah this is what I th th this is this is my type now boom there it uh, is well I hope this isn't a formative experience <laughs> but it was yes and he said I unfortunately I do not remember the name of the of the movie um but yeah basically like uh he saw like saw the movie saw the actress in the movie and like that's my type now. And like, and you see that character show up basically like almost everything that Liji Masumoto is vaguely related to. Um, he's uh, she's Maytel. She's um, Emeraldus. She's um, Starsha in uh, in uh, Space Battleship Yamato. Um, she's the bassist in Interstellar Fifty Five Fifty Five. Amazing. Uh, Saga of the Secret Star System. Yeah. Wait, how do I pronounce that? Because the, all the S's were replaced with fives. <laughs> but yeah, like, like, like she, she's the bassist in that. It's like, Liji Masumoto has a type, and he puts that type in his movies. <laughs> so you think okay. I have commitment issues? Well, the bit would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Fine. <laughs> Fair enough, I guess. I mean, it's an artistic choice, and not as some American comic book artists have a complete inability to draw more than one feminine body type. <laughs> or is it? I don't know. You're giving some of those artists credit that they can draw different 
male body types. I mean, it really depends. I mean, do you know what the difference for Michael Turner between Batman and Superman is? The haircut. The costume. They had the same haircut. just wore sunglasses. He was the same exact person. They even wore the same suit. The colorist had to do the work. Blah, blah, turn around times. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like, um, like Harlock, um, like, in Harlock 78, um, yes, Harlock 78, like, there are other characters of different body types in there, like the uh, matron, like, the, like, world dull adult antagonist um, level cruelty of, uh, cruel matron of the orphanage uh, that one of the characters is in. In the original Har- uh, in Harlock 78, like, she Guys, has definitely a very different body type. There's never a good orphanage, is there? Well, th- there are occasionally good orphanage. I mean, I mean, uh, Kiryu, the dragon of Dojima, runs a very good orphanage. Uh, there's no good human-run orphanages, are there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, stop breaking your brain trying to think of one. What about the orphanage in Skyrim? Like, yeah, the woman in charge is bad, but it doesn't seem like her replacements after you're hired by the Orphans to assassinate them is bad. Right? You're totally doing a good thing by murdering. Uh, there, there's a you're good orphan. You're hired to kill the person in charge of an orphanage? Yeah, you're being hired by the orphans, so. so there, there, Sorry. there is a good orphanage in an episode of City Hunter that uh, Ryu Saiba gets hired to save from the uh, save from evil real estate developers. Uh, save wait. the orphanage. There's an orphanage. Uh, the Bajoran orphanage in Deep Space Nine is good. We hope. No, um, no, it's only in one episode. It's only in for like one bit scene. But everyone seems happy. Sorry, I sidetracked uh, us with my realization about orphanages. Uh, <laughs> I, I I found the name of the actress, by the way. Uh, her name is uh, who is um, who is um, Lucha Basso's type. Her name is Marianne. That's M A R I A N N E. Hold. Quick Google search. Okay then. Alrighty. Uh, yeah. Yep. She does. Her eyebrow game is on point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. um, One true love forever. (laughs) Indeed. Um, So, so what else we have for Legion? The the big Legion Matsumoto stuff from this. Um, Like, the one thing that we didn't get that comes up a fair bit in Legion Matsumoto's movie. And or series based on his stuff is unfortunately, um, we didn't get a song by. Let me pull up the the, the vocalist name. Um, it'd be the actor of the the song who did the the guy who did the original theme song for Harlock uh, seventy eight, also passed away this year. Um, but like, like the closing theme song is okay. Like Ichiro Mizuki, um, Ichiro Mizuki did a music for like a bunch of other Luigi Masumoto stuff like he did um like he also did like the Galaxy Express 39 um original TV show theme opening and closing theme um among other things and uh but 
um, sadly, he did not um, do the the song for the movie. A, 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 a younger, hipper artist. Oh, well. <laughs> That's weird, because the movie's vibes are not young, hip vibes at all. That, yeah, that, that ending thing was... <clears throat> It was a choice. <laughs> yeah, um, like, um, it's interesting. Like, also, like the Galaxy Express three nine movie, like the Japanese version had a English language closing theme song as well, which was also um, interesting choice. But yeah, I, I, I was like hoping, like, oh, we'd have some Ichiro Mizuki um, for the closing theme, so we could talk about him for a bit. But sadly, no. Um, not this time. Why would they make the logical choice? Yeah. Maybe he was busy, you know. Well, um, I guess before we wrap up the uh, Arcadia My Youth discussion, um, any other final thoughts about the movie? Or like, do you kind of see like how how this got how this kind of grabbed American anime fans or prospective anime fans from like back in the eighties? Oh yeah, like. I think back in the 80s, this is probably amazing. It's just, like, there's a distance thing. <laughs> like, the views that, that were had back then, not the views that are had. That... I think the characters hold up, you know? Um, <sighs> some, of, some of the plotting is a little, not sure about, um, but there are some great moments in it for sure. Arlock is an idiot routinely, but I mean, I, I will say as a as a woman watching this, it's kind of the typical standard of disappointment for works from that time, where the female characters are very tropey and idealized and exist mostly as plot vehicles for mm -hmm. the male lead. Mm -hmm. So you uh, know, yeah, like. If Queen Emeraldus was available for streaming, because that's the series that focuses on Emeraldus and lets her do all the cool badass stuff, um, the, 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 let her lets her be a cool space pirate, I probably would have picked that. But unfortunately, like Queen Emeraldus isn't available for streaming. Um, another series, uh, Queen Millennia, which was a more female-focused cast in terms of lead characters, um, not available for streaming, doesn't have a physical release. Um, Galaxy Express 3.9 is, but Galaxy Express 3.9, one, it's super long. It's like a hundred something episodes. Um, so also like, like the main female protagonist character, Mattel, um, basically kind of serves to be as a, if you couldn't guess from the name, a kind of maternal mentor figure for the young child lead. It's. It's almost sort of Doctor Who asked if Doctor Who, if the main focus of Doctor Who was strictly on the companions. Interesting. And had uh, the Doctor as more of an ancillary character. And also the Doctor's uh, TARDIS was, instead of being a police box, was a space train. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, didn't we see that episode of Doctor Who? <laughs> Wasn't there a space train episode? I could be wrong. Yeah, but the space train in <laughs> Doctor Who wasn't based off a steam locomotive. <laughs> More's the pity. More's the pity. <laughs> um, and I will admit also, look, Doctor Who has been great as some really good internal TARDIS 
console room and designs, and some of the doctors have had some really great costumes. And the sixth doctor. And and, and the sixth doctor, but I, I'm thinking the doctor, like, there are some anime or manga creators where I go, I would like to see this creator do a fashion pass on the doctor oh. and see what they did. Clamp cool. is one of them. Liji Masumoto is the other. That would be great. Oh, and the JoJo's uh, guy. It would be crazy, but I feel like I'd be there for it. <laughs> like, just strictly as a fashion pass. Yeah. What can I say? I'm a JoJo's stand now, thanks to this podcast. <laughs> uh, speaking of JoJo, and also Jujutsu Kaisen, not my news based off the uh, big bad. It's unbreakable. <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> I love Naomi so much. Okay. <laughs> so don't say um, <laughs> that wraps up. So that wraps up our um, arcade of my youth discussion. Next month we will be for for um, um, Lunar New Year once again. We'll be returning to Thunderbolt Fantasy <laughs> for season for season two. Just season two. We'll be doing the movie. Will be covered on se- covered with season three. Oh, the second movie will be covered with season three. So just season two. I'm already oh, looking no, forward to go back and watch it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm so hyped for just the theme song. <laughs> I haven't heard it in a while. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet it here. <laughs> it's been playing in my head the whole time though, let's be real. <laughs> I I I'll admit I have like the closing theme song from season um, to roll the dice has been living like I got my Apple Music uh, rundown of songs you've been listening to over the past year. Oh yeah, that is on been up there, up there, rent free yep. up here in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what we have to look forward to um, next month. Also, we'll probably talk since there's going to be a um, discotheque media big. Um, Announcement day on January 8th. They're on we may talk fire. about that some as well. They say they've got a big announcement coming. I don't know, but I don't know what it's going to be. But normally when they say like, oh, this is a really big one. We really mean it. Then there's usually something like really fancy. For real, you guys. We found the originals for ACO. I mean, I mean, like that was one they did. Was, oh, hey. <laughs> fa- <laughs> and last, like last one was, oh, hey. 4K release of um, of Belladonna of Sadness was like that. That's our thing. Like, oh, if that was, if that's going to get announced, can be announced by the Criterion Collection by Arrow Digital. No, no. Discotech got it. This is your monthly reminder that physical media is incredibly important, and you should support it whenever you can. Absolutely, In, indeed. Like for again for Arcadia of my youth. Um, I watched that on the Blu-ray that I, the Discotheque Media Blu-ray that I got, which has again a really, really good audio commentary by Mike Tool. Okay, we promise we're not shills for Discotheque. They just have a lot of really great stuff. Well, they keep they re-release things that you can't get any other way, so you can add it to your physical media collection, and that is super important because otherwise we end up with things like entire series that you can't find anywhere. <laughs> we are not sponsored by them in any capacity. Although that could change easily if you guys want to sponsor us. You guys want to call us? Like, <laughs> Justin Savakis. 
Justin Savakis, call me. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 if, and if you do wish to communicate for the uh, discussion for um, for um, Thunderbolt Fantasy Season 2, or you're from Discotech Media and want to shill, uh, you can email at animeexplorations, with two E's, pod at gmail.com with your uh, questions or comments in terms of about the work and um, they'll be discussing and also consider backing the Patreon at patreon.com slash count zero O R. Um, it helps cover hosting costs, which is good. You should do it. You guys, Alex puts out great content, a lot of great content. Most of which does not involve us. That's true. We only annoy you once a month. <laughs> Unless you're repeat viewers or <laughs> listeners. <laughs> All At right. which point you can be annoyed by us as much as you like. <laughs> yeah. And we will see you, or hear you, or you will hear us, rather, next month. Got there in the end. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And hope you all have happy holidays. Yep. Since you're almost past the holiday season. Here, anyway. Yes. They don't have holidays anywhere else in the world. Well, the holiday season is different. I know. <laughs>